0: Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the DMs Guild and tabletop RPG space to just you know, really chat about stuff. Um, this week, I'm overjoyed to be joined by Matt Davids. Hello.
1: Hey, Matthew, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a It's a pleasure.
0: No, thank, thank you, and so far, yeah, from from one map to another, we've got yeah. we've got to stick together. Um,
1: yeah, I've been interviewing a lot of mats on my podcast. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of there, guys named Matthew.
0: I noticed that there is like I don't know what it is about the tabletop RPG spaces, but there's a lot of like a lot of like similar names. Like there's a good number of mats. Um, there is a good number of Jameses. Um, mm. I believe there's a good number of jesters as well. Um, yeah. I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just like there's a, uh, you know, is it, there's an effect of like, <laughs> if your name like um, Harry Firefighter, you're more likely to become like a far- firefighter or something like that. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's like a weird trend like that. So maybe it's just these common names are so common. Yeah.
1: Matthews are creative or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll go with that. I think that's a nice way. Um, speaking about being creative, though, um, mm-hmm. for the people listening, um, mm-hmm. why don't you just tell us like, you know, some of the things that you've kind of been publishing?
1: yeah well um i guess kind of what i'm known for mostly is the the books of random tables um those are kind of my uh flagship products that i put out um and so i have tables for fantasy science fiction cyberpunk uh modern all kinds of wild west all kinds of different uh settings and um and uh, uh just as you can imagine, all kinds of things. So uh, items you would find in a dungeon room, items you'd find in a cell, items you'd find wherever, in an inn's kitchen, just all kinds of tables. So that's what I am mostly known for.
0: So I guess the the first question off the bat is then, is what was, what's the allure of, of random tables then? What kind of <laughs> drew you into it? Well, uh,
1: what drew me into it really is this is, that is how I enjoyed running games. Oh. Um, that... Um, that my players would always like always ask to search the room. Right. And so um, they want to search the room and it got old. It got really old just to say, Oh, there's nothing in the room. Right. Oh, there's nothing there. You don't find anything. So what I really like to do, you know, kind of in years past is I would make my own, I would just make my own random table. And so when somebody would search, um, you know, a room, I could just have, you know, if they got a certain, you know, whatever skill, whatever system we were using, say a perception roll over a certain amount, I'd yeah. say, oh, well, you got one roll on a table, or you got four rolls on the table, depending on how good your roll was, or something like that. And um, uh, I saw that that was very popular with my players. Uh, even if uh, the item on the table was a dead rat, people were excited about that. Um, because like i said just saying the room there's nothing in the room over and over again is just really boring and it's just kind of you know it's just kind of deadening even if you know you know say you're in a dungeon room and you find the the key you know the the magic key that was really supposed to be in the room and that's where it's going to lead the players on to the next part of the the campaign well why not give somebody else something else even if it's a dead rat or a rusty nail or um, you know or one gold piece or something that they can just find lying around in the room
0: i think again you kind of see that a fair bit with like um at least in in D with like the wild magic sorcerer i think people yeah. really like kind of knowing that they're rolling a random table that yeah. like that like the dm is like hands off the wheel and like yeah. this is that you're at the mercy of this table or whatever you find yeah
1: yeah absolutely and and i find too that Um, you know, sometimes people will kind of, uh, you know, not want to run a game because they're worried about conflict being the judge or the referee between rules. Mm -hmm. So the random table, I think solves that problem because you, you know, I didn't give, I didn't give Mary 12 gold pieces and I didn't give Ryan a dead rat the table, the (laughs) table gave them you rolled. You know if if you wanted 12 gold pieces you should have rolled an 86 or whatever it is if you didn't want a dead rat you shouldn't have rolled an 11 whatever yeah. so it takes it off me and it's not me that's making those kind of decisions to give certain players you know i'm not playing favorites among my players it's just the table
0: it's it's well i suppose it's the, the slippery slope to all well i didn't kill your character the dice did <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well i guess you could go there but. <laughs> No, so yeah. I yeah. I guess
1: or, or it's not the dice, it's your poor decisions,
0: yeah. either, right? <laughs> as long as again, as long as I'm not to blame, as long as it's you know the players exactly. and, and the, the the fates or, or... so exactly. I, I guess then um, is is uh again with with all the sort of random tables that you kind of like you know created over the years and stuff is is Have you kind of picked up what you would call, like, what is a good sense of what is a good random table? And what is a bad, like, I I don't know, like, do you like look at across like RPGs and see a random table and go, uh...
1: you know, um, sometimes, uh, sometimes, I I mean, I think um, to me, some of the, the, the worst what i would say the worst random table would be would be just not enough options. Sometimes you see random tables that are, you know, 1d4 or something and and unless and unless you're rolling for, you know, maybe the four seasons, you know, yeah. i think you should probably have, you know, a bit more bit more options on the table. Um i, I think ones that um that I mean, my view of random tables is it should take work off the game master or the mm-hmm. dungeon master. So if the random table causes more work, then I would say it was a bad one. But you know, um, at the end of the day, uh, random tables are awesome. so if 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 your book, whatever system you're running, if it comes with random tables, it's
0: probably gonna be uh, a, a help to you in some way. I think I think again the the, the the thing that I sometimes run into is that at least in the adventure content that I write, um, sometimes I like to use uh, essentially uh, random tables for essentially encounters across like a travel path. Yeah. Um, but I guess the thing I try and run into is the fact that that it's it's I I, know, I, I don't know I'm I'm sometimes hesitant to be like oh it's just you know this encounter is four skeletons because I always feel like there needs to be a little bit more context. Yes. And and again sometimes with the, at least with like um sort of item tables. Um, it is very nice to be like, it is just a dead rat. And mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily need all the sort of history. I guess, how do you find about balancing the amount of information in a random table, put, you know, against like an item table versus like a monster encounter table or yeah. you know, what have you?
1: Yeah. Um, the monster encounter tables are the trickiest, right? Because um, if I say, you know, Okay, yeah, random table of monster encounters, one d four goblins. Well, I don't know, you know, what the the game master is running. I don't know the gaming group. What if they're 18th level, right? They have six players that are all 18th level. Well, yeah. four goblins. I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? Um, so those tables, in I mean, frankly, sometimes I try to stay away from some of those mm-hmm. because, um, you know, as as a dungeon master or a game master myself. Um, if, if I want to throw some combat at my players, even on a travel, you know, they're traveling and I think, oh, well, I'll give them a couple times of random combat or something that doesn't take me much time or mental space to really kind of throw something like that Mm -hmm. at them where I get caught. And what I try to focus on are the item tables, um, because, um, when I really get caught and I am caught and I have no more creativity is when somebody, when the, you know, the seventh player at the table asks me, what do I find in the room? And I'm just like, well, you know, after all of those other players have asked, it's like, well, I, I don't know. Right. Like my brain is just there, but if I have, you know, if I have six, one D 100 tables that have items in a dungeon room, well, Okay, let's just roll on that table.
0: I, I guess you you, you t- uh, like t- t- two, two really quick things. Is is one? I do I do think sometimes there is like some comedic value in throwing six goblins at an 18th level party. Because <laughs> <laughs> sure. at that point, like it's a case of like they're goblins. They they don't know any better. Um, yeah. But sure. no, I think you touched on a really good point. The fact that like sometimes taking these some, the I guess the pressure off the uh, the DM on like it, it's kind of easier to do the high concept stuff of like what's going to happen during the session. But mm-hmm. it's it's like the little details, like what is in the room, what is this yeah. NPC's name, what is yes. you know what's what is their sort of like physical characteristics, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's yeah. It's, def- it's definitely the sort of like the smaller details. That again, if if you yeah. say, oh, you encounter twelve guards, and they go, you know, I, what's what's number thir- like no, number eight's name? I want to go to number eight, and it's like yeah. what. <laughs> exactly no
1: you're absolutely right and that's that's what i'm talking about there because yeah i think it's pretty you know if you know for a dungeon master it's pretty easy in some regards to say okay well we've been playing our campaign for a while this session they're going to meet yeah 12 guards yeah. and but the problem then comes in when you know, they say, oh, I'm going to ask guard number one, his name.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to ask guard number two, their name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask guard number three, their name. Yeah. And, you know, those are just things that, um, uh, that where your mind kind of can just like turn into clay after you're running a game for a while and you start having what all the guards are named Bob or, you know, or Sally or some, just some ridiculous, you know, name or the physical descriptions. You mentioned that one. That's a really good one too, because sometimes I think we can kind of get into that creative rut, you know, when we're just caught on the fly and, and your players, you know, I've had this happen sometimes, right? Like a player will say, Hey, that's like the, the fourth, like, really tall guy with a beard we've met in this same and I was just like, oh well, I'm just making these up. All yeah, right. I'm trying to come up with these. So if I have a list of those, I can just roll that and get a different physical description that maybe I wouldn't have thought of.
0: It's a very fashionable one in this in this side of town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a whole yeah. new, new rage going in. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess I guess so across everything that you've gonna be doing then, I guess like so so when, when exactly did you start with, with the round tables or just just yeah with publishing yeah. content.
1: Well, yeah, that would have been in, um, it was right at the end of 2015. So December, 2015, um, it's, um, it was kind of a crazy story. Um, I don't know how heavy you want to get on a podcast, but, um, what actually really started me off was uh, a friend of mine died. Right. And, um, uh, he was 36 and he left, you know, a wife and three little kids and, um, at his funeral, uh, I, had, I was seeing people that I hadn't seen in a long time, obviously 10 years, 20 years, maybe even 30 years, give yeah. away my age, but um, you know that I hadn't seen. And we were talking and we were all talking about when we used to role play together, right? Because that's what uh, my friends and we all did was role play. And my friends started asking me about this game called Anarchy. They're like, Anarchy? And this was a game that I had made, right? So yeah. uh, that was my first kind of really... Uh, try at really making games that was when i was a teenager in m- in my early 20s and i they were like what about it you know we used to play all t- together our friend who had passed away and all of us and i was like well i haven't done anything with it in like 20 years <laughs> you know what he t- and so i just thought you know maybe i will write that game up and I will publish it, yeah. and I will be able to dedicate it to my friend. I'll be able to put his name in there and dedicate it because he was one of my uh, most prolific play testers, actually. So, so I did that. I mean, it, and I started in 2014, and it took me a long time. Um, I pulled out. I found some old notes. I found some old files on my computer. I found some old, you know, notes that I had, and I pulled it out, and I realized it was completely unplayable by any. <laughs> By anybody but me, right? Like I could have played it. I could have ran it for somebody, but nobody else could do it. So I converted that to the Open D6 system and um, it took me like a year. And so I published it at the end of 2015 on DriveThruRPG and on Amazon. And um, it was kind of one of those moments where kind of doing that, like my first goal, like I said, was to have a book in my hand mm-hmm. and I could say, Hey, I dedicated it to my friend. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those moments when I kind of remembered back to when I was like nine years old and playing D and D for the first time. And I was like, Oh, this is what I've wanted to do all my life. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to create role-playing games or role-playing game content in some way, and so that just kind of started me there. So then in two thousand and sixteen, I really started publishing things on Drive Through um, As far as the DM's Guild, I've really only published one. I, I published uh, something. Uh, Last year, trying to use some of the D &D, and D IP, uh, I published a little thing called "The Bookhounds of Eberron," and um, uh, I didn't do it very well, frankly. (laughs) But um, that was kind of really my first stab at that. But um, uh, and then, kind of from there, you know, I was just experimenting and doing kind of some stuff. And it was when I I remembered, I was like. You know, I think I was running a session and I'm using my random table that I had made and I was just like, if I like random tables, I bet you everybody likes random tables. So I started really publishing the random tables and that's when uh, um, things kind of spiral out of control. I think I have like 14 or 15 books of random tables now.
0: (laughs) Wow, i i'd say that is again uh, that's 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 such a heartfelt incredible story again thank you so oh, much for like going. like it's yeah and uh, yeah i imagine having that sort of like epiphany of like I've, yeah i've kind of always wanted to be doing this and so mm-hmm. it's kind of been it's no ah oh, um yeah i yeah oh, it's 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 again it's 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 a it's a, I was about to say a fantastic origin story, but I don't know if that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. My superhero origin yeah.
1: story. <laughs>
0: um what, so one thing I did kind of want to chat about as well is so some of your random table books are actually uh, up on Amazon. Yeah. And so I, I'm so I I'm I must am fascinated about the kind of print side and uh again, I I I so I know that there is there are differences between drive through and DM's guild but I am sure. so insular to the DMs Guild community that I'm just like, I, I haven't sort of dipped my toes too much in the drive So if I understand it correctly, with the content you release on the drive so you do actually have, you're essentially allowed to sort of publish it on other sort of, um, yeah. and yeah. what, are there any particular challenges about getting it up on the Amazon storefront? No, not really.
1: Um, now you could, um, the print books, there is no exclusivity, but you can, if you wanted to, you could sign it exclusivity with Drive Through for your PDFs, um, if you want to. I don't, I don't have one of those um, um, right now. But you know, getting up on Amazon, I mean, frankly, it's it's super easy, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, um, I mean, that's their business, right? So yeah. um, they're used to dealing with people who are not really tech savvy, <laughs> and um, they make it. Um, incredibly easier. It is, it's actually just from like a standpoint of like logging in and using the back end, Um Amazon is way easier than drive-through RPG. That, uh, <laughs> it's just, I mean, they're, well, I mean, they have billions of dollars to make yeah. it easy. So um, it is, it is very easy to get your, to get your book up on Amazon. Yeah. Oh. Um, and
0: then I guess also, so you kind of touched on a little bit earlier that you have, um, you've, Unlike me, you've dipped your toes in the DMs Guild side of things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious about what was kind of the, the like, was it just like, oh, I just want to try something a little bit different? Or was it the allure of the Eberron setting? Or Yeah, well, I mean, it's a common
1: combination of all, right? I mean, obviously, I love Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> um, there's, no, there's no getting around that. Um, I've been, you know, I mean, it was the first role-playing game I've ever played, and I love it, and so I... Uh, eberron is really cool i do like the setting um uh i think it was just kind of seeing a lot what was going on on the dm's guild side and kind of um you know uh being kind of exposed to that because i know one thing you know years ago and stuff when i would play i never i'm one of those guys who creates my own stuff right so i i wasn't really you know um you know, I didn't know much about some of the forgotten realms and stuff like that, just because, um, you know, I've read a book here or two, Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, but, um, you know, I would just make up my own worlds and stuff. So I, I was just kind of intrigued by that and I thought I had a pretty good idea. So I thought the book Hounds of Everon was a pretty good idea. And, um, so I released that and it, yeah. And what I learned is, um, especially on the, the, the DM's guild side, I know uh, one thing that I should have spent a lot more time on it. (laughs) Um, I should have also um, uh, tried to polish it a little bit more um, on the, on, for the DM's guild side. And um, I probably should have kind of really found some other kind of hook for the IP um in you know instead of I, I just kind of had a more of a vague concept of like um hunting for rare books yeah. in eberron and um, um and i i i still think it was a good idea i think i just I, I made it pretty quickly and i released it to kind of see what would happen and um it is quite a bit different than say the um the uh, drive-through rpg side um where you know I guess the people on the DM's Guild are looking for certain products.
0: Yeah, you know? I, I, so I guess actually I, I don't know. So, what, what do you think are like some of the, I guess the differences between the two kind of storefronts? Because again, the, the the relationship between the DM's Guild and the Trust, it, it feels like it feels like a weird sort of like I don't know, like that that's like a sibling rivalry. I, I don't know how to put it into words. It's like that 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 sometimes on speaking terms, it's.
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean. If I, you know, I have my fantasy random tables on drive-through RPG. That person could be playing Dungeons and Dragons. They mm-hmm. could be playing Thirteenth Age. They could be, uh, what is it, Forbidden Lands? They could be playing, um, what are some of them, Tr- Tunnels and Trolls? They could be or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the, um, Dungeon World. Even I mean, they could be even playing that, and because those would help them. So, on the DM's Guild, right? What are what are people playing? Yeah. <laughs> playing D&D, right. Um, so um, I think it was just um, for me, it would be trying to understand what are what are people who are playing d d you know, two, three times a week, maybe once a week. Um, what are they really looking for? Um, as opposed to on drive through RPG, um, you know, I don't they may not even be playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. So they could be playing something else.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose that is the challenge of writing, essentially, very much, s- like, against system agnostic content of just, you know, mm-hmm. things that can go anywhere. Whereas, yeah, with the DMs Guild, I feel like most people, at least when they're coming through it, I think they come with a certain expectation that the products have the same sort of dress and format as if, you know, the yes. D&D hardcovers. Yes. Um, which, yeah. Again, is is immediately like the case of like, well, now my now I have to try and copy a, a book that is worked on like by a team of designers that mm-hmm. goes through a you know a series of layout artists, fifteen uh, editors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's yeah. instantly. Um, and it's funny. It's it's I think we kind of mentioned this once or twice. Um, through kind of conversation is since the kind of inception of the DMs Guild, there it feels like there's been something of like a, a raising uh, arms race in terms of production yeah. quality. Um yeah. And um, yeah, and it, yeah, it's it, it, I guess it kind of, t- uh, that kind of the, the, the DM's Guild is this kind of very weird, quite yeah, quite mm-hmm. insular community. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, and that's kind of why I was saying I think some of the bigger problems that I had was that I should have spent more time on it. I should have had some more editing. I should have developed it a little bit more, um, because I think that audience is used to Wizards of the Coast level material yeah. and I mean, as they, and they should be right. I mean, it's great, <laughs> you know, it's great material. So um, yeah, I should have spent a bit more time and really fleshed out the idea more than, than I did. Yeah.
0: So actually that uh, kind of, um, kind of raises an interesting question, which is, so when you come to like write content that, you know, you're going to be publishing on the drive through, mm-hmm. um, do you kind of have to go through like some checks to kind of make sure it's like agnostic enough to be, honest, <laughs> that it's not like tied to any sort of, you know, system or anything too much?
1: no um i mean honestly that's the that's the beauty of random tables right because um i usually stick to percentile dice so even if you're playing you know even if you're playing you know a d6 system um i i would assume that uh people have two percentile dice in their in their bag (laughs) right and that you could just pull those out and um you know, and roll on my random table, even if you're playing that or you're playing a um, uh, what a, the 2d20 system or something yeah. that, um, I would assume that uh, any self respecting uh, role player would have a bag full of dice, but yeah. there would probably be inside. at least, yeah,
0: one or two dice in the room somewhere, <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. And if you need to, there's a dice roller on Google or whatever, yeah. and you can use that. <laughs> but I mean, to me, I think. I think it's almost the, you know, even though I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons now every week for like three or four years, I think it's easier for me to do system agnostic content than to do really D&D specific content because, um, you know, um, system agnostic content um, is pretty self-explanatory where the, the you know, the Dungeons and Dragons content, you, you really have to make it fit into you know you really have to make it fit into that system and you have to make it fit what somebody you know what groups of dnd players are really kind of into yeah
0: no, fair. so then i, I guess so i guess to talk more broadly about your kind of creative process Then, so um what fairly particular product is it the case that you sit down and go okay well today's a a dungeon table and then you kind of you have your i guess empty table of a hundred options <laughs> And is your creative process just to kind of go through and start kind of like, you know, just one after the other chipping through them or?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty much. Um, uh, sometimes tables, you know, sometimes the idea for a table comes to me from different places. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be running a game and, um, you know, I'll think, oh, a blacksmith shop. I don't have a list for that, yeah. and now my I'm running a game. My players are going to ask me. So if they ask me something, I might just jot down a few things. You know, if they're going to ask me a question, what's in a blacksmith shop? Um, but yeah, usually um, when I set out to make a new book, yeah, I, I just kind of um, it in the beginning. I was all haphazard and crazy and I just did whatever I thought (laughs) about and I would try to work on like, I would get one idea for one table and I would do like five items and then I'd get another idea, you know, for another one. But now that I've gotten a little bit more systematic, I do try to, I do try to just sit down and start writing out items, um, you know, for something like a blacksmith shop. Of course, I would use, you know, Google and the internet. I would look around, see what was in a blacksmith shop and, you know, whatever, you know, 1403, yeah. <laughs> you know and you know uh probably not too far from where you are in <laughs> in, yeah, in, in, in the, the UK, UK <laughs> and so I would get those items and uh yeah I would kind of compile some of those or add some of my own um and you know I mean it is you know I've been playing either d d or some other role-playing games since I was nine years old yeah. so um I kind of got a pretty good sense for what players like. Yeah. So players like certain things. And so, you know, even if, you know, even if I'm doing a crazy table, you know, of items in a dungeon room, um, there are some little items that I know that are, you know, just in a past session or something, yo, know, years ago that I saw a player like lose their mind over. And it is a thing that you couldn't even sell for like a silver piece, right? It's just like, it's a almost worthless little item. But they've lost their minds over it. and so it's just like okay i'm putting that one on the table it- because i know somewhere out there a player is going to be like oh man this is so cool is, is, and- it, is it the
0: dead rat again or is it this <laughs> is it the dead
1: rat no the dead rat usually um the dead rat actually gets people to come back, right? They want to search again. They want to roll uh, <laughs> the next room. They want to roll and they're like, okay, now I know. Now I know number eight or whatever is a dead rat. So I'm going to ch- check that off my list. So if I know I don't roll an eight, I'm not going to get a dead rat. Um, you know, I, I I think there's, I don't know. I think that's just goes into the whole appeal of the random table yeah. as well. Right. It does that. You just don't know what you're going to get. You could, get a dead rat, or you could get the, you know, 1D12 gold pieces. So kind of.
0: Then I, I guess, the, so what are some of the examples of the one, like the the, the sort of table answers that you know, you know, the, the part you're going to get a little bit, or at least someone has a high chance of getting like excited or hyped for?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: usually, you know,
1: I know people would say, oh, the gold piece one, but, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, the, the a gold piece one, but usually uh, something with an inscription on it. Uh, nice. Like, an, you know, it can be, uh, you know, an iron ring, but on the inside is an inscription of, you know, um, you know, um, you know, uh, ERB, you know, the initials ERB. Yeah, players like what like what does that mean like and, and you can even add a little bit more to it but they go crazy over stuff yeah. like
0: that and what was it was every npc they, they 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 ask the name and if their name starts with me they're just like is it, is it you? yeah exactly <laughs> exactly
1: exactly yeah. absolutely um so little things like that um uh little i mean i think one thing in you know in obviously in 5e the trinket table so yeah um just little things you know um a deed to a castle in a faraway land
0: right exactly. players
1: go crazy for that and it's just like well you're you know we're never going to go to that land but it doesn't matter right like it just gives them something to think about it's like oh once we're level 20 and we end this campaign i'm going to say my character he's going yeah. to this faraway land to claim this deed on this castle
0: it's- it's good and kind of nice, I guess. So I guess for me, there would always be the balance of like you kind of can use them as an opportunity, to, I guess, to kind of plant story seeds in a way. Yeah. Um, but then I guess my other part is like it. It. I, I, it's kind of hard not to lean too hard on like the comedy angle of just making it. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> oh, you know, you find uh, I don't know, like, like the uh, you know the the remains of uh, two goblins who clearly were engaged in like a, a knife fight. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah. if that's oh, yeah. funny. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, now said it. I'm like, is that funny? I don't know. That's that's yeah. that's just murder. Um, you,
1: you have a strange comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. No, uh absolutely. And I, I definitely use um use that as well. I know I have a table with uh, like items in a wizard's chamber, and one of the items I put on there is a, a map to a legendary library, right? So I mean that could kick off a, a whole new campaign. And um and I know it really kind of goes along with my style of role-playing. Like um, I don't plan much (laughs) um, when I run a a session or a campaign. Um, So, you know, if, if I thought we were doing some kind of, you know, dark political kind of gritty urban area adventure and uh, my players go into the wizard's chamber and they search and they roll the map to the legendary library. And then all my players say, actually you know what we want to go find this library okay. and we want to leave the city I'm like okay like sure. because I was just I was just running I was running the city while I was making it up anyway so we'll just make up going to a legendary library. Um, I know some people they can get a little frustrated with that but like I personally love planting all of those things so then the players um, can really, uh you know really grab onto those and uh you know um really kind of run with it and really make the game your own and it just creates um I don't know I love randomness pretty much in all of its facets I like using the dice for a lot of things um even possibly the campaign the setting uh, you know all of that
0: I must admit, I think I kind of agree because I think I'm very much like uh I, I kind of like to throw a lot of sort of adventure hooks or just like, mm-hmm. again, have like, again, every third person they meet gives them a quest. And yeah. it's a case of like, right now we're helping like the old lady down the road. We've got a dragon to slay. We can't quite go search for your missing child yet. But it's like, it's, it's, and it, it's kind of nice because then you give them a, a decent sense of agency just by choosing what tasks and, and how they kind of, um, so yeah, the idea of like searching yeah. a room and getting you know just just throwing my stuff stuff in the pile, you know, if it's important yeah. to the players, you'll find out. Um, yeah, absolutely. I I did want to ask though, in like, is what would you say is the weirdest table that you've done?
1: Oh gosh. Um, oh man, the weirdest. I have one on mutations. (laughs) Um, So if, if something happens to your character and it gets mutated, you can may have tentacles or something at the end. Um, The funniest one uh, I have, um, hey uh talking inanimate objects <laughs> um that kind of actually became a joke uh in my uh kind of in my gaming group and some of the some of the guys who um who've helped me edit some of the tables and stuff like that uh, that um they saw on a couple of my tables, I had like a talking tree and a talking something. So we, we've we kind of always um, and then in one campaign, actually, we ran across a talking broom. So um, I just kind of I just I was like, all right. Everybody is having fun with these talking objects, so I just made a whole table that's just like um, a belt buckle who claims to be a wizard. Uh, you know, just all kinds of, yeah. just all kinds of crazy objects that. Uh, I just think
0: yeah. the idea of it being uh, like uh, like talking and stuff like that, it just kind of ticks that box of like the player party who just likes gathering like companions, yes, and stuff like that, and just be like, oh yeah, no, yeah, every so often we get like a, a quip from the belt buckle or you know the. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it just adds to the world. It just adds an extra layer onto the world. And um, it can be silly or, you know, who knows? I mean, the belt buckle may actually be a a powerful wizard and lead them to some great quest.
0: I I like the idea that, that you know there there is a fantasy world in which you know wizards they dedicate their life to their craft and the pinnacle of what their research is is just making inanimate objects talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I I've, I'm I'm in a lot of wizard debt for this, but yeah, I've now got to talk.
1: yeah. Well, I mean they're always alone, so they always <laughs> be friends. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh yeah, I think that there is a story there of like you know a wizard tower filled with these talking objects, but the wizard has has gone missing or something, so these they just natter amongst themselves.
1: Well, that, that's a that's a whole adventure campaign right there. Yeah. You could go with that.
0: <laughs> so there you go. No, it's no, it's yeah, no, geez. that's that's such a cool idea. Um, see, now now my mind is wondering about what sort of talking like. I, I must say, I, so there's two sides of the thing. I do like the idea of like uh, like objects that can talk, but I also do like the idea of like sassy animal objects that can't talk. <laughs> so like I, I've had it once where um, my player party stole a uh, like a hag's broom. Um, and I decided that the hags broom itself would have something of a personality, mm-hmm. and that because they had stolen it, um, the broom had a tendency to, you know, try and throw the rider off occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, hit them on the head when yeah. they're sitting there. And, stuff, it's, yeah. and it's a case of, like, I was hoping that they would realize that, you know, maybe they should return the broom, or, you know, they should... But no, that kind of just enamored them to it more. And I'm just like, yes. this broom probably will kill one of you at some point. It's going like... <laughs> to... Let it try. That's yeah. what players always <laughs> say. So, then I guess so across everything that you kind of do, then is there like a, a part of the project that like is hands down your favorite? Is it kind of like the ideation or?
1: Um, uh, like in the creative process? Yeah, like just yeah, from, from, the, well, I guess um, across anything really. Yeah. Um, well, in the creative process, actually, the, I mean, I do like kind of the, the ideation part of it, um, because I have a million ideas, but actually I've come to, to learn that my, my actual favorite part is, is holding the book, the holding the finished <laughs> book, <laughs> because, um, you know, up until, you know, 2015, all I did was think about ideas instead of, instead of writing them down yeah. or, uh, you know, organizing them. So yeah, my favorite part is, is putting the finishing touches on it. And, um, yeah, pressing submit on drive through rpg and yeah. watching it come up
0: and then. and was it the the uh is it three to six week wait on like getting a print back <laughs> oh yeah so.
1: yeah yeah if you're doing print it's a long time
0: <laughs> no I, yeah no 100 i think with it so i've i've had the the, the fortune to kind of have, have at least like s- some of my words in someone else's project could go to print and yes yeah, yeah. i don't know just, just holding that book is like oh I, I, this is this is something that like i did <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: I, I love that part. <laughs> I love being finished.
0: Then, so then, I guess on, on the other end of the spectrum, is it is there like a, a least favorite part? Um, oh man,
1: uh, the the problem is is that I I love doing this. So <laughs> um, uh, probably the least favorite part is is staring at a blank page, right? Like um, you know, having a few ideas but then opening up, you know, opening up the document and look, just staring at that blank page and being like, okay, you know um, yeah. Talking inanimate objects, what's, what's next, <laughs> you know, or whatever, whatever, you know, just having that blank page there. But um, yeah, once, once things get rolling,
0: I I really enjoy it. So I guess, so I imagine obviously you, you kind of mentioned you kind of work with percentile dice. Is it on average that each table is like a hundred options? Yes.
1: Yeah, um, I try to. I try to do that. Um, talking inanimate objects might be like fifty, but um, you know, some, <laughs> some, some, sometimes I do fifty, but I usually try to do them all for a hundred
0: options. And in in so in one of your books, how many tables do you kind of offer throughout? Is it like twenty? Um, in the
1: smaller books, uh, usually usually like 25 wow. to 40 some in so, some of the smaller books
0: so like like 2500 like, like options to offer yeah which yeah. is again that, that is that's is a considerable amount of, of of options um yeah yeah, yeah I, I yeah i must admit, I, I, I can't I, I can't necessarily imagine what the process of, of filling a d100 i don't think again i don't think i've ever written out a full d100 table um <laughs> I can't imagine it would be easy because, again, at, at what point it's, like, like, I guess trying to make each one unique enough and try and keep them within, like, a reasonable scope? Um, mm-hmm. Or is it the case where sometimes you just kind of let let your mind go wild and there's, like, it's like improv where there's no wrong answers? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I just try to kind of let loose. And um, usually, though, I will admit, usually when I get if I've just been working on a table for a while, when I usually get to about 90 options, that's usually when I'm like, I don't want to see this table again. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't want to see this again. So that's usually when I I, I go uh, ask my wife, I'd be like, what, what's weird in a dungeon room? And she'll yeah. give me a couple ideas. And I'll be like, oh, OK, I got it now. I can do the last uh, 10. so clever. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I don't use dead rat again or whatever it
0: is. Maybe could you make it slightly more exciting, like two dead rats?
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, there you go. Yes, Uh, I try not to do that. I try not to do that. Yeah, Yeah. I I try to give some more options. I mean, maybe sometimes, but if it's a cool thing, if there's you know, I mean, it's always fun to find a couple gold pieces, so you know, you throw a a few gold pieces on there, you
0: know, like how 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 meta could you get? Because you could have like a D100 table within a D100 table, so let's say you roll like an eight and that's the rat table and then yes. you go to another hundred table of like <laughs> 100 different types of dead rat.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean in my new book I took uh some of the random tables from my first four fantasy random table books and from the book hounds of Eberron and I put them into a big book and there's 120 random tables in there. Yes. And at one point at one point I did think about making a random table of all the table titles so you could just roll but it doesn't make much sense because uh from where you're at since they're so you know it could be you know items in a dungeon room or it could be um you know forest encounters it doesn't make much sense to put them all in one table
0: so so with the new book is it essentially just a a continuation of the series or is this uh, actually a new focus uh well this is kind of a
1: a um kind of a compendium
0: of the a one-stop shop (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, of the books of random tables uh, one through four, the fantasy ones, and then plus uh, some of the book table, the book title tables from Bookhounds of Eberron that I I put them all together in one book, and and also I really went through them, and I've learned a lot more about editing and <laughs> and that. So I I went through them. Um, uh, some of the first ones that I did, you know, weren't that great, so I made them better. And um, improved them. Had a couple people read them through and uh, give me editing on them, and put them together. uh, You know, really in you know, made up some new tables as well to kind of just put them all in there, so um, that you could either get them in
0: one PDF or you could get them in a hardback. Yeah. And so, so so again, I feel like my brain is. So, did you say something like, "There's a hundred D100 table, 100 plus"? There's 120. Table? There's that's, 120 in there. That's 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 a lot of tables. I, yeah, I think this this is yeah. I'll be again. If there are any more tables out there, I will be surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm working on another one. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on more. So.
0: The, the work the work is never done. No. no,
1: I don't think you can have enough. I, I don't, <laughs> and it's not just because I make them, but uh, just as a game master, um, anything that if if this table helps me. You know, cut down if it cuts down my decisions by like ten decisions at the mm-hmm. table, uh, I'll 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 take that table, right? Like I'll use that table.
0: Yeah. And No, I I imagine as well. It's like again, it's it's why I guess again, there's nothing necessarily wrong about having uh two tables for similar things because again, they 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 could have necessarily maybe different themes to them. Or yes. just more options, you know, yeah. maybe you, 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 again, this is when we get into the matter, you roll a table to find which table you use. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, items, items in an inn's kitchen. Right. So I have one of those, but I could make a, a second one Yeah. because there's, it could be all kinds of stuff in an inn's kitchen.
0: Yeah, no, i yeah, I suppose, yeah, it, it's again in, in, in the, the sort of like commonplace, like things like taverns, blacksmiths, you know, the, the sort of the, the things that people are going to again and again and again, um, yeah. yeah, I guess you do even with a random table, uh, I imagine, yeah, you could probably burn through a hundred unique options surprisingly quick.
1: Yeah. Very quick, <laughs> very quickly. So, um, that's why to me, like you can just never have enough random tables and they're, um, they're all. Just always helpful, and
0: yeah, if you if you just have more, why not? <laughs> so then, I guess is is there any um, particular design choice that you've made that you're like particularly proud of, like when it comes to these tables, or just I guess more broadly? Well, um,
1: I mean, some other projects. I mean, for the random tables, um, I mean, making them system agnostic was a big was a big choice for me, yeah. and I think. Um, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense um, for some other projects. Um, I, you know, um, I was really proud that I was able to take that idea that I had talked about before anarchy and really convert it into the open D6 system. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize at the time, like, like, you know, 300 people in the world play the open D6 system. Not, you know, not many people do, Uh, but um, I was really proud that I was able to kind of put that into the system and make it work. Um, uh, Because I know uh, that for anybody else who's listening, that's the old West End Star Wars, Game system. It's the D6. It's now the Open D6 system, and so I was able to use that with the the Open Gaming License. Um, so I was proud of that. But the one I'm I'm kind of most proud of um, it gets really good reviews, but it it doesn't it doesn't sell well. But um, it is a campaign setting. Uh, for 5e and um i made it and then of course you know i realized you can't put campaign settings on the dm's guild so um i published it on drive-thru but um it's called realms of understreet and um uh it is uh the kind of the nutshell is fantasy kingdoms of rats living under modern day manhattan island and so i it was really the first time, you know, taking 5E kind of rules and converting them into so, um, you know, humans become rats, uh, dragonborn become salamanders, kind of things like that. And then taking um, some of the open game license creatures and making them a moth or a pill bug or, you know, something <laughs> along those lines. Um, uh, I, I really thought that... I, you know, I put a lot of creativity into that. And I I, I think uh, that's probably one of the, uh, I don't know, just uh, one of the, one of the settings that I'm, I'm really most proud of. Yeah.
0: So is it, is it like a, a modern day Manhattan or is it almost like a.
1: No, it's uh, the Manhattan is modern day, but, but the, the, under- the rats, yeah. the underneath they are in fantasy kingdoms with magic and stuff like this. And so yeah, um, Uh, Yeah, so I I thought that was kind of one of my most creative and and but like um, and like I said, it gets a lot of good reviews, uh, but it doesn't sell well because it it's a kind of a niche. So if if you like you know Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, or you like um, Redwall, or you like the
0: Borrowers.
1: that's kind of what, you know, the, that kind of thing kind of goes yeah,
0: on. I, I, yeah, I imagine, yeah, it, 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 it's kind of surprising how there is that sort of, like, subgenre of of, yeah, sort of, like, almost like- Tiny. Yeah, tiny yeah. people in, like, a fantasy yep. setting, but still within the scope of, like, modern day. Um, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah. No, it's, it's again. Also, I'm I, the rats. They come up again. I'm noticing noticing a no. bit of a trend or a theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I need yeah.
1: to. I need to uh maybe see somebody about. you yeah, you got like a
0: sub- subconscious <laughs> rat bias. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. No. Awesome. Yeah. I. I yeah. I, I'm curious about. It. So, what was? What was like? I'm always fascinated about when it comes to like setting guides or setting content because. Mm-hmm there is so much you could put into a second guide. And yeah. I'm curious about how you kind of found that balance of like, okay, this is the core cool stuff that kind of needs to go in or yeah. this stuff can kind of be left up.
1: Yeah. Well, frankly, I don't know if I did.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I found that. Plan. If it's getting great reviews, uh, you know, it's... It,
1: it does. It, has, it does have some good reviews. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it doesn't sell well, but um, uh, I think, some of the key points was really trying to really trying to give them a flavor, right? The, the rats and the, the, the mice and some of the different give them flavors of their own culture. So people can't, you, you know, you don't just open up the book and go, well, you just took human stats and made them rats. Yeah. Right. You just called them rats. Um, So I really tried to go into like, naming conventions or and i use quotes throughout like quotes that the rats have written you know from their history and things like that to really try to give the world an extra flavor Mm -hmm. um um, so that's what i really focused on um as far as some of the rules you know i mean i i kind of you know i I created a couple new backgrounds and things but um i kind of just wanted you know i kept that kind of content to a minimum because i figured Once people saw what I was kind of doing there, it would be pretty easy just to say, okay, well, I'll take a, you know, a tiger and that can be a house cat or whatever, because, you know, everything is basically, you know, just kind of, um, you know, the, the, the same, it's just, you know, just styled a little bit differently. So I really went into the world and really tried to create a flavor of the world to show that they had a, you know, a unique culture. So that's where I came down on the end. But yeah, I probably, you know, that was one of the, probably the second or third
0: thing that I did. So I probably did it wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. You, you, you learn as you go, but no, yeah, that, I, I think as well, you can get, get incredibly far with just sort of like, as you kind of said, like reskinning and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's just through the case of like mechanically, everything is functionally the same, but it just, Builds to this kind of this world setting that you've kind of built there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, oh, awesome. And then, so I guess in uh, so yeah, in talking about like some of your earlier stuff, then that you kind of did, is there like a lesson through some of the stuff that you kind of initially started with that you kind of wish you'd learned? Maybe just a smidgen earlier. Yeah. I
1: mean, there's so many. <laughs> um. Uh. I mean, some. <laughs> Well, I mean, like a like on a practical, like technical level um, that it's very hard to get um, drive through RPGs uh, print the lightning source print to take a Scribus file because (laughs) I was using Scribus. It's very hard to do that. Um, So that was I I wasted time, time and effort on that. And um, instead of before before I was able to switch to InDesign, but um, if you're if you're using scribus and you're going to try to do print on drive rpg get ready um you you need somebody smarter than i am because it was it was rough uh, so on the technical side that um the other side that i know that people don't talk about too much is because we're creatives and we want to talk about is the marketing right i mean mm-hmm. i released you know i released my first game and you know what happened you know i released that anarchy game what do you think happened Nothing, right? I just threw it into the void, right? I mean, there's, I mean, you can go on drive-through RPG in the morning and then go back in the evening, and there's 15 new free products, you know, five new print products, and I, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just amazing the amount of, of, um, you know, of content. I mean, I think it's awesome. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I love the hobby. I love to see so many people into it. So, I mean, that first lesson right there is just that you know you need to. Either you need to build a community around, you know, some of your work um, or uh, you need to be ready to market it in some way, either through paid ads or through um, banners on drive-through RPG with your, what are the, the publisher points or the yeah. PPP or whatever they call it. Um, and um, uh, you, you just kind of need to be ready to, you know, you have to create and then you have to put on your marketing hat if you if you want people to
0: see your work which is difficult because yeah you, you most people again you don't really necessarily go into the hobby with marketing shops or you know sort of things yeah. it's, it's for a good number of people it's kind of unnatural to be like oh now i need to sell myself and so it's like um yeah, yeah. everyone kind of wants their you know their product to kind of speak yeah. for itself and so it, but yeah you, yeah you have to kind of sometimes put in that yeah. actual little bit of
1: yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to like try to force all your friends to buy your stuff <laughs> yeah. and everything. And it doesn't have to be bad. I mean, you just need to tell people about it. And I mean, people just don't know about it. And I, I think, um, you know, even now, well, not this past year, but I was going to say when I went to conventions, I haven't been to one this past year, of course, uh, because they were all canceled. But when I would go to conventions, you know, I would hear things and I had a bit of this too. You know, somebody says, "Oh, I put out this new thing and they put a lot of heart and effort into it." And they're like, "Nobody bought it. It must be bad." And I'm just like, "No. Nobody knows about it."
0: No.
1: Right? It could be the best it could be the best game since Dungeons and Dragons. It's just if nobody knows about it, nobody's going to nobody's going to buy it. You know, yeah. people have to know about it.
0: And yeah, it's that's, that's 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 kind of half the battle, I guess, in in some ways. Yeah,
1: um, maybe eighty percent. I think it's eighty yeah. percent. Marketing's that's, that's um, eighty percent. Yeah, twenty percent. I know people don't like to hear this when I say this, mm. uh, but it's writing, layout, design, uploading, publishing. Twenty percent of the work.
0: Eighty percent of the work is marketing. And, and even then, sometimes it's, it's it's sometimes marketing is just sort of like a coin flip whether it's kind of. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah.
1: If, yeah yeah depending on what you do yes mm-hmm. yes uh, with, with paid
0: ads it can oh, just yeah. be a and, total. And, brand and thing. like that, there's always cases where you can do things uh, again there's there's all these sort of check boxes things that you can take to kind of improve your odds and stuff like at but yeah it's like sure. a, it's it's yeah it's 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 there's a good amount of chance in it um yeah. you touched on the community a little bit before but i guess um is there anyone that kind of in the tabletop rpg community that kind of particularly inspires you and, and your kind of line of work
1: yeah, a few people. Um, I mean, you're one of them. I oh. mean, uh, the uh, Volo's Guide to Getting Murdered, uh, the way, you know, the like kind of just leaning into the IP of Dungeons & Dragons, I think, that is, I, I think that's brilliant. Uh, it's just it's just great.
0: I, I must admit, that was, that was like one of the lessons that I kind of learned. Like, I, I think it was, I think, fairness, it was RP Davis uh, who kind of sat me down. I was like, uh, well, it didn't sat me down. It wasn't like, I wasn't being told <laughs> over anything. But in the said that, the DMs Guild, you are paying for the IP. Yeah. You you are not obligated to use it, but it, it's in your yeah. best interest to use it because otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you should be publishing on like drive Um, So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I can't think of any better way to use the IP than just take some characters and kill them. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, I,
1: yeah, I think that was great. And I think that's, I mean, and people who are playing Dungeons and Dragons all the time are going to know those characters and they're going to be interested. And in I think that was fantastic. I mean... I think some other ones, um, uh, say Kevin Crawford with Stars Without Number. Um, just, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you do a two hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter and then have your book be in the top twenty bestsellers for like three years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> and then he's he's also very open. Uh, with questions on Reddit and other things like that. It's just um, so, uh, but I mean, really there's, there are so many people, there's so many cool creators in the space that it's um, I mean, it's really hard to, to name all of them. And I, 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 you know, I've got to meet some really cool people and interview them on my podcast as well. um, And just hear some of the stuff that they're, that they're working on and doing Um, is just, it's very inspiring.
0: No, as I say, I I think I've kind of mentioned it's kind of like it's 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 kind of cheaty that as running a podcast. You kind of—it's an excuse to chat to cool people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And
1: I, I get uh, some people sometimes. They're like, "Did it go well?" or whatever. And it's like we're just like two people talking about what we love. I mean, how is it not going to go well? Right? Yeah,
0: it's just like yeah. The, the, again, there's rarely a chance where I'm like, "Oh, that 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 really dragged." It's like no, it's like it's it's two passionate people and stuff. And it's a case of like I see it as like I'm I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> they don't know it. I'm, they think they're a guest that's. Equally, I'm, I'm I'm draining information
1: from them. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I'm trying to learn from everybody I interview. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And asking questions, yeah, like like you're doing as well. It's just like, um, I think I learned that, about you know, about the IP on Dungeons and Dragons from like listening to you asking you questions. It's yeah. like, oh right, use the thing that people like in your in when you're on the DM's guild that you can use. That's amazing.
0: Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm fine to blush. Yeah, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, for, well, I guess they kind of like some of the final questions about them to kind of again round round off this hour which has flown by and just mm-hmm. two people chatting about their patterns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what what are you currently working on? Um and kind of more importantly, uh, where can people hear about it?
1: Yeah, well, um I did just release the great book of random tables on drive RPG uh, as we're recording this. What is this, March uh 20? 20... 2021 if i can <laughs> remember the date yeah. um so i just released the great book of random tables um and um that took me a lot of time to get put that one together um i'm also continuing to work on my podcast uh interviewing fantastic creators um, i also like to reach out of the rpg space sometimes and i've interviewed um uh, uh like filmmakers and um screenwriters and and um just to uh to try to understand story um, and novelists just to try to understand story more and to, um, uh, use that to help us as we're creating or as we're running games. Um, so I've been working on those. Um, I've got some more random table books coming. Um, I'm going to do another fantasy kind of a 25 table random book. Um, I have, um, in addition to some of the fantasy, like I had mentioned before, I do have some of the other settings like science fiction, cyberpunk, um, wild west, modern, um, 1920s and 1930s um i'm also i'm currently working on one for steampunk uh kind of steampunk victorian um kind of random tables um and i'll have a few more of those coming down um here well i don't know when but in the in the coming months (laughs) i'm sure i'll get a few out yeah in the future i'll get a few out um and then yeah it's just as far as finding me everything that I do can be found on dicegeeks.com. So it's just the word dice and the word geeks just put together. So on dicegeeks.com, everybody can find um, uh, what I am working on, what I'm doing. Um, Oh, I guess I should mention, I did release a a while back a book. Um, It's just simply called Dungeons and it's 51 Dungeons. And um, uh, basically what I did was um, I really, you know, like I said before, I really enjoy creating my own stuff, but sometimes you just need ideas. So uh, basically what I did is I took the, um, the Dyson logos uh, commercial pack and yeah. took those maps. And then I made up about a page or so of information about those maps. And I put it in a book um, just in case uh, your players say, you mentioned a pile of rocks over there. What's under that? And yeah. you could just be like, okay, well, we'll, we haven't done a dungeon in a while. I'll put a dungeon under that pile of rocks, and you can just open up that book, and it, that can all be found on DiceGeeks.com. And um, yeah, and they're all my books are on drive-through rpg and they're on Amazon as well.
0: No, well, obviously there will be uh, there will be a link to the uh, Dice Geeks website somewhere somewhere below. Again, I'm I'm sure it's like plastered all over the, like in the description. <laughs> somewhere, and everything and somewhere that. down yeah. here. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Yes. Who knows? <laughs> YouTube keeps changing things. They might be like left or right these days. I, I, don't, uh, <laughs> I try to keep up to date. Um, yeah. But no, honestly, Matt, thank you so much for taking some time out of your out of your afternoon uh, to come and sit down yeah. and, and have this chat with me. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you don't and mind. Thank you
1: for staying up. I ah, think you're, it's, it's late.
0: You it's are. it's only eleven now, so that's, that's oh that, gosh, that's that's, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, I was I would be remiss if I didn't spend a moment. Uh, I've got some Kickstarter campaigns that are going on at the moment. <laughs> uh, two of them, because uh, March is not crazy enough already. Um, there is the Diesel uh, campaign, which I believe is entering its third, maybe fourth week, depending on when this comes up. Um, But it is a a, a D6 dice ball system run, uh, created by Steve Pankatai and a whole talented team of mechanics designers. I was uh, privileged enough to be involved in creating some of the narrative side of things. Um, Lots of really cool characters, some really cool settings. Uh, If you like Firefly, if you like, you know, that that type of um, uh, space Western and you like mechs, and what mechs is in like you merge your body with the mechs? There's, there's a whole thing going on. Please, please do check out the Kickstarter. <laughs> um, secondly, there is also the Cities of Myth uh, Atlantis um, Divided, um, which is essentially a 5e setting uh, based in Atlantis. Um, and that is a continuation of the Cities of Myth series uh, run by Walk Media. Um, again, fantastic team, uh, incredible stuff. Um, if you li- If you like the idea of an underwater campaign, which again, aren't too common, um it's the place to go um but those those are the two main ones again I, I, I there's a third one which i don't know if it started yet but i'll just stick with those two for now um and yeah that again once march is over all of this again it, it's it's me being involved in two projects of which i'm not the project lead so that's why i have to <laughs> I have to kind of cover all the bases um but yeah thank you thank you for enjoying that matt um oh. otherwise i've been matthew whitby you can find me at WhitbyWrites. And my very last question then is, how do you end a podcast?
1: I usually thank my guest for being on. Mm -hmm. So uh, Matthew, thank you so much for having me (laughs) on your show. It is a huge pleasure. Um, uh, So yeah, um, anytime you want to chat, I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, no, I'd love to have you back on my podcast as well. Um, Thank you. Actually. (laughs) I was going to say, actually, really quick, you articulated a problem to me that I knew about, but I didn't articulate it that way. You talked about the door problem in RPGs yes. on my podcast, and I really enjoyed that because I had never really articulated it that way. So now I have a name for the, what was what was tripping me up door. sometimes.
0: There will, there will, again, there'll be, there'll be a link to our, our door problem chat. Um, again, I've, I think there's been about two or three times that I've gone off about this door problem chat. Um, I realise it's like a hot button issue for me. Um, so so if you're curious about what the door problem is, um, yeah, be sure to check the link in the description. Um, and I will take a page out of your book and thank you so much for your time, Matt. I hope you have a nice evening and, uh, to the people listening, goodbye.